Lord God, thank you for your love poured out on us that we've seen in Jesus. And because of that love in Jesus, we can say, Jesus, we love you. Because of that love poured out in Jesus, we can sing it as well with my soul, with our souls. Because of your spirit inside of us, we know your peace in the midst of the busyness and the pressure of this, the last final stretch of the semester. Because of your love poured out to us and your grace, we know that you are the one who is victorious over evil, even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of a world that is broken and hurting. We know that in the end, you have the last word, and that word is that evil shall be no more. And so Lord, we pray for your reign in this earth, for those places right now where there's mo- huge brokenness and hurt and famine and war. We pray for your hand of healing and your kingdom to come near and far on earth as it is in heaven. Open our ears this day to hear what you would have to say to us by your spirit, through your scripture and through your servant Mindy. We are grateful for the chance to gather in your name this day. And we, we do look forward to anticipation to what you would teach us and lead us both in this time and through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you were born between 1980 and the year 2000, raise your hand. Nice. Okay, you are what we are calling millennials. Have you heard this word before? Millennials. Okay, grab your phones. I know you have them. Grab them. I would invite you to answer a question for me, okay? But what you have to do is you have to log in. See, the number that you have to text is 37607. And then in the message portion, you write Mindy Smith 263. This is my poll, okay? So take a second and log in, and I want you to think about the fact that the church is not happy with you, millennials. They're blaming you for the decline, the rapid decline of the church. So I would love for you, once you log in, you're going to get a response that tells you that you logged in, to answer the question, why do you think millennials are leaving the church? Oh, somebody got that in. I would also invite you to be appropriate. Your professors and elders are in the room. Okay. (laughs) I had a feeling this could go south really, really quick. Church is boring. There's a disconnect between faith and science. Rampant hypocrisy. Nice. Unchanging dated traditions. Church isn't progressing with the rest of us. They don't have time to believe anymore. Ooh, that's... The church is obsolete. Weak family influence. Social issues. You can clear it. few more might come in. Too much focus inside instead of outside. Everyone's too busy. Nothing tangible is being seen. Religion is no longer spiritual. We could do this all day. Thank you, everybody. I think we all have an opinions about this. Here's what some of the bloggers 
This is how the church describes you. Millennials have a very dim view of the church. They're highly skeptical of any religion. They're fearful to make any serious commitments. When we, the church, portray God as a cosmic buddy, we lose them because they have enough friends. When we tell them that God will give them a better marriage or family, it's simply white noise. They're delaying marriage and kids, and some are foregoing them all together. When we tell them they're special, we're merely echoing what educators, coaches, parents, and what Barney told them early on (laughs) in their lives. You are so special. 20-somethings want to be challenged to think about difficult messages. They don't want to have easy topics each week. My friends, the statistics are sobering. The church is in rapid decline. The millennial generation is the largest demographic. 65% rarely attend church, and 70% say that church is completely irrelevant. Church is completely irrelevant. This morning, I, we're going to take a look at Peter and what Peter did. Peter was up against a lot of naysayers, a lot of challenges. And the stats on his success rate didn't look very good either. But what Peter does do is that Peter gets incredibly real and incle- incredibly authentic, which is what millennials say that they're longing for. So I think if Peter walked in here today, you all would follow. Let's take a moment and look at what he does. So Jesus and the boys, they're walking around Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus says to them, which is a tricky question for any person to ask their closest friends, who, who do people say that I am? And they start to hem and haw a little bit. Well, uh, some say John the Baptist. Um, some think you're Elijah. A few people think you're Jeremiah. Um, okay, well, who do, who do you, who do you think that I am? And Peter stands up and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus smiled and he looked at him and he said, Peter, blessed are you. For that didn't come to you all of your own. That came to you from my father in heaven, but it's a good word. And I'm going to tell you, Peter, on you, I am going to build my church on you. And let's be clear here. What he meant by church was a gathering. I am going to bring a gathering of people together around you. And not even my death will stop it. Not even my death will stop it. So then later, the 11 disciples, they go to Galilee, and they're on the mountain, which Jesus had told them to go, and they worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, all authority, all of it, all authority on heaven and earth, it's mine. All of it is mine. So I want you guys, you ragtag outlaws, fishermen, tax collectors, you guys, to go make disciples of all the nations. All the nations. Okay, let's take a poll. How many nations can we name? 
okay, we have five. We know five nations. Five. All the nations? He's asking us to go into all the nations. Who's been 30 miles away from their home? I'm sorry. I'm talking hypothetically. Jesus talking to disciples. <laughs> you guys are so good. You guys want to text it in. Everybody text in how, where they've been. No, 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 no. Okay. This is a group of people that hadn't been very far, and he just said, you're going to go through the entire world, and then what does he do? He ascends. He's done. Bye-bye. He's out. So they're left there going, okay, I guess we have some work to do here. Then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and people are going crazy. They're speaking different languages. They're speaking from all these corners of the world. They still don't get it, and people are looking around going, I think they're drunk. And Peter, I think at this point, had had it. They're not drunk. It's 9 a.m. And he stands up and he starts to preach. <laughs> if I'm going to make disciples of all the nations, I'm going to start here with this group of clowns. Okay? So Peter stands up. Now remember, they're in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, where Jesus was just tried and crucified. Everybody knew what was going on. Surely they had heard about Jesus of Nazareth. There's a pastor named Andy Stanley, and he said, if you look closely at all the sermons in Acts, they say approximately the same thing. This is the message. You killed him. God raised him from the dead. Say you're sorry. <laughs> you killed him. Peter stood up there. He said, you Israelites, listen what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with deeds of powers, wonders, signs of God through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified him and killed him by the hands of those outside the law. They were all in Jerusalem. He was speaking to the very ones that witnessed this death. You were there. You saw it. Frank, you, right back there, you saw it. Sarah, I saw you there that day. You killed him. You saw who he was and what he could do, and you killed him. Not theoretically, not for all of humanity, but you. You were called out. When you were given the option to set one free, a criminal, you set the innocent man to be killed. Can you imagine standing there, knowing that you had seen this, and Peter's calling you out? Have you ever been called out for something? Someone named your sin? The moment somebody sees your bluff, I know what you did. I know what you look at late at night. I know that you're cheating on your girlfriend. I know how much you drink. I know that you stopped eating weeks ago and you're killing yourself. Peter tells the truth about sin. And when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts. They were outed. Peter, millennials, just got real. And they stood there speechless. You killed him, Peter says. And then he goes on. God raised him from the dead. 
So he goes on to talk about God raising him up, freedom from death. He was impossible to hold down. This Jesus God raised up, and all of us are witnesses to that, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, receiving the promise of the Father of the Holy Spirit. He poured it all here out at Pentecost, for David did not ascend into the heavens. But David said this, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. David, Peter says, still dead. Jesus is not dead. The one whom you crucified was lifted up. He is alive and nothing is going to stop him. His death will not stop it. At this point, it should have ended. This Peter is just as crazy as Jesus is. He thinks, dead man walking, right? They should have ransacked him. The church, this gathering that Jesus predicted, should have died right then and there. But no. Peter told the, told the truth. And it stung. And that's when it got real. And Jesus made a promise. I am going to build my church. And not even my death will stop it. Say you're sorry. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the others, what should we do now? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized for every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far away, everyone for whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he goes on. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. 3,000 people welcomed the message. They were baptized. They took bread together, and the early church was born. Notice they didn't devote themselves to a building. Andy Stanley said it this way, the central teaching of the church is not what we believe about something being true. The central teaching of the church is that we believe something happened. Something happened. They were preaching to a people that saw it. You witnessed this. You killed him. Something happened. It's not an idea. It's not a positive thought. It's not a spiritual saying. No. Peter got in their face, in their face, and said, you saw it. You, back there, Ben, you saw it. You saw it, didn't you? And Ben fell to his knees and said, I was afraid. Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. And the message spread. And it's 2,000 years later, and for some reason, we're all still here talking about it. Because Jesus kept his promise. You guys, the church is in deep, deep trouble. Rapid decline, nothing to hold it together, division after division. Every religion believes that something is true. And what is happening in our culture right now? Millennials say they're tired of ideas that don't mean anything. Faith with no substance. They want to see something real. I'm spiritual, but not religious. What is that? That's your truth. This is my truth. You're good. I don't want to offend anybody. 
It's become so watered down. No wonder people aren't gathering around it. I would much rather go to brunch with my friends on Sunday morning and sleep in. Because young people in the church, I don't think, are reminded of this central tenet, that Christ was crucified and raised from the dead, and that something significant happened. I think millennials, and actually all of us, are exhausted by the divisions and the arguments. They're tired of seeing faith so watered down that it means nothing. I believe the church needs to stop arguing about who is in and who is out, worship styles, modern or contemporary or traditional, infant baptism or believer baptism. I'm going to build my church, he says, and nothing's going to stop it, not even my death. So Jesus says to his guys, something big is going to happen here. I am going to build it. Nothing, nothing, nothing is going to stop it. Not where we gather, how we gather, when we gather, what we wear, when we gather. Not, not millennials, not oppressive leaders in the church, not racism, not LGBT issues, not political climates, not a focus on diversity issues, not women preaching. Nothing, nothing, nothing is going to stop it. Jesus made a promise. And the message is clear, and it's very, very real. You killed him. God raised him from the dead. Say you're sorry. And on you, I will build my church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.